Hello to you and welcome to the Worcester Talking News in conjunction with Worcester News and Equipment Services for the Visually Impaired. Before I say anything else, I would like to apologise for the fact that you didn't get a recording last week in your uh, wallets. Uh, This wasn't our fault. This was recorded, so it is there for you uh, and will be delivered this week with this the one that we are going to record now. So you'll get two memory sticks in your wallet. So one will be last week's and one will be this week's. So our apologies, but the Royal Mail uh, don't consult us before they do these things. Um, Today we'll bring you news from uh, Friday, November the 25th to December the 1st. My name is Kate and with me this evening are Sue and Janet and Barry uh, Heard is our technician for this evening. The administration and copying team are um, governed by Carol Hartle and without them we would not be able to present this so we thank them very, very much indeed. We will bring you, as always, the week's headline stories, further interesting articles, entertainment at local theatres and some sport. And uh, for also for you, we open the birthday book and we give you sunrise and sunset times. I'll follow this with useful telephone numbers and uh, we um, hope this is, you know, happy, um, this happily satisfies all the things that you'll require. We very much welcome new listeners. Also, comments you may wish to make. We don't mind whether they're good or bad. We prefer the good, obviously. The service also includes a regular magazine, and uh, which is sort of about three or four times, oh, no, more than that, about six times a year. And there are a th- over a 1,000 talking books available to you, and, and this is all free. If you would wish to make a donation to the charity, that's always most welcome, of course, but there's no obligation. The thought for the day, obituaries and final music will close the recording of this uh, this tonight. Right. Um, we'll start with um, Sue, Sue, who's going to read us um, some interesting articles about what is on at the local theatres. Yes. Um, the first um, one I've got is a carol service, which is going to happen on Wednesday the 21st of December at 6.30pm. Um, It's going to be in the cathedral. Everyone is welcome. Um, You need to be seated by 6.20 and uh, there is no um, charge. Okay. Then um, this is uh, from the Norbury Theatre, just telling us what's on. And the Christmassy thing is a whimsical Christmas carol. And that is going to be on, on Friday the 9th and Saturday the 10th of um assume it's um December. Um so if you're interested in that, that's also going to be at seven thirty PM. Tickets will be twelve pounds, five pounds if you're under nineteen. Um then some more events from number eight, which is the cinema um and theatre in um Pershaw. Um, and here there are several things on between now and Christmas. There's the National Theatre Live, has which actually that's finished now. We're into December now, aren't we? Um, only just. Yes, only just. <laughs> uh, the, the Royal Ballet, um, they're doing the Nutcracker. And that's going to be on Sunday the 18th at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and Tuesday the 20th of December at 
tickets are £17 each and um, that's going to be starting on uh, 2 o'clock and 7.15. That's right, I did say that, didn't I? Um, and then we've got the, the um, Worcester theatres here as well. There are quite a lot here, but just to give you one or two that you might be interested in. Um, there's something happening at the Huntingdon Hall and it's the Albion Christmas Band and it's on um, Wednesday the 14th of December um, from 7.30 and that um, charge is £26.50 and it's got a very good write-up so you'll enjoy that I think if you decide to go. And then we're in Malvern. Um, Malvern's also got quite a lot going on, I think, and particularly um, this one, sorry, um, Malvern, um, it's the Concert Club I'm looking at now. One of the world's most celebrated piano trios um, come to Malvern for the first time with a performances of music by Beethoven, Liszt and Sanson. And that's going to be on Thursday the 24th of November, um, £28 um, normally and tw uh, £10 um, for students. Um, That's happened, I'm afraid, the 24th. Sorry. Uh, so, oh, sorry. Yeah. Yes, OK. I'm sorry that one has um, happened now. Um, and the other one that um, I've been asked to, to let you know about is A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. And that's going to happen on Tuesday the 20th to Friday the 30th of December. And tickets um, of various amounts um, going down to £8.96 up to £16 um, for tickets. Thank you very much, Sue. Um Telephone numbers for the box offices I will give out when I do the telephone numbers. But Janet will now open the birthday book and also give us sunrise and sunset for today. Right, we've two birthdays this week. On the 6th of December, Susan Gibb. And on the 8th of December, Sandra Wood. So happy birthday to both those happy ladies. Happy birthday to you. Right, um, useful telephone numbers that uh, you may find of help. Um, here in Wilds Lane, where we are, um, the telephone number is 01905 767766. Um, and uh, please remember, when you do phone, if you do phone, uh, that it isn't manned all the time, but messages that you leave are always listened to and all calls are returned. The police, <coughs> excuse me, the police, non-emergencies, 101... NHS Direct 111, Out of Hours Medical Assistance 0300 and that is between 6 and 8pm in the evening. Crime Stoppers 0800 555 Worcester Hub 01905 765 765 Worcestershire County Council here to help 01905 768 053 and you ask for option 3 with that. The Community Risk Team for Fire Safety 0800 032 1155. 
the Domestic Abuse Helpline 0800 and then Sense Adventure Walking for Visually Impaired, led by D. Jones. I'm not sure whether these are going on at the moment, but hopefully if it's not raining on too cold, you're brave. <laughs> 01684 891297. Uh, Worcester Samaritans, 116123, which is a free number. Now, the um, theatres, Worcester Theatres, 01905. 611427. These, of course, are the box offices, so you'll get through if you want to book your tickets. Malvern Theatre is 01684 892277. Uh, the Norbury Theatre in Droitwich is 01905 And the Pershaw Number 8 Theatre 01386. Five 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 four eight eight. So hopefully you'll find something. Well, you may find something of, of help to you there. And uh, oh, I mustn't forget this. Western Power is now to be called the National Grid, uh, and this telephone number is o eight double o nine one seven seven nine five three. And this is to be used in the event of a power cut, and it's a 24-hour service. Um, so uh, don't uh, hesitate to write that number down, because we never quite know what's going to happen with all sorts of uh, events in, in life going on at the moment. We're never quite sure of anything. Anyway, we will start now with uh, the headlines and stories associated, uh, and, we'll, and Sue will read the first ones for last Friday. Yes, and, and this one is from Friday, November the 25th. The headline is Clamping Down on Parking. The council has vowed to get tough on problem parkers, causing chaos in the city's taxi ranks. Worcester City Council said it will be stepping up patrols and handling out fines to drivers parking illegally and dangerously in and around the city centre's taxi ranks following a wave of complaints. Some of the city's taxi drivers have been calling for extra patrols to put a stop to over-ranking and problematic parking and blamed the council for not patrolling ranks regularly and penalising drivers. Long queues of taxis are regularly found spilling out of the ranks in the city centre, including busy routes such as Fourgate Street, The Cross and Friar Street, creating problems for pedestrians, cyclists, buses, the emergency services and other drivers. A total of 48 fines have so far been handed out in November, according to the council, including nine in one day, during a sweeping patrol of the city centre's taxi ranks. Councillor Richard Oodle, chair of the council's licensing and environmental health committee, said illegal parkers had already had enough warnings and would now be facing the consequences. Residents and taxi drivers have been complaining for some time about obstructive and illegal parking in the city centre, especially around or adjacent to ta taxi ranks. 
We have previously issued a number of warnings and asked for cooperation, but unfortunately a tiny minority of drivers have continued to ignore our warnings. It only takes one or two badly parked cars to cause chaos and traffic disruption. They are a hazard to other road users, including public transport and cyclists. It's now time to get tough. If they continue to ignore the parking restrictions, they will face the consequences. The restrictions exist for good reasons, for public safety, and we will not compromise on such an important issue. Our simple message is park legally or don't park at all. Move on and go elsewhere. Harry Salim Vice-Chair of Worcester Taxi Drivers Association, said the council had not been doing enough to stamp out the parking problems in and outside taxi ranks. I can't defend any of the illegal parking, he said. Our advice to drivers is always park somewhere sensibly and do not overpark or block anything, especially when the streets are so narrow. The problem is that there is not enough enforcement by the city council. A lot of taxi plates have been issued, but there are not enough spaces for the taxis to stop or park. If they have got nowhere to go, where can they park? This headline says, Developers accused of greed as straying onto a monument site halts development. It says history stops work. Work on a major housing development has been brought to a halt. Developers Taylor, Taylor Wimpy and Redrow have stopped work at the Earl's Court development west of Bromyard Road. This comes after the developers encroached on a public right-of-way, home to an ancient Shedrood monument. County Councillor Richard Udall said residents are rightly appalled at the destruction of the foot, footpath, which had been well used. They are even more horrified that our history and heritage may have been destroyed by the work. He continued, Our ancient public footpaths are critically important. We have lost and will be losing so much of our countryside because of these developments. We need to do all we can to protect what's left. Earl's Court is protected for a reason. The developers must learn that their greed and vandalism will have consequences. Historic England, the body responsible for the preservation of sites such as the medieval moated land at Earl's Court, is investigating what happened. We have been made aware of an incident at the moated site at Earl's Court, which is a scheduled monument, and are in the process of investigating the situation, said a spokesperson. Redrow and Taylor Wimpy have now apologised for the damage caused to the ancient monument and will be looking to repair the public right-of-way as soon as possible. A spokesperson for the consortium said, Unfortunately, during recent scheduled works, a contractor working for the consortium inadvertently encroached onto the bridleway. We have since met with Worcester County Council and Historic England to apologise and agree a solution that we can implement, including an emergency closure of the bridleway while work to prevent water runoff is undertaken. 
Once this task is completed, we will work quickly to repair and reinstate the bridleway in consultation with Worcestershire County Council and Historic England. Councillor Mike Rouse, Cabinet Member for Highways and Transport at Worcestershire County Council, said officers from the County Council are aware of the issues on the bridleway at Earls Court, Worcester. We are working with the developer and Historic England to ensure issues raised are rectified. While that takes place, the path has been closed on safety grounds. And on Monday... No room in the lectures. Overcrowded lecture theatres have been putting university students off attending classes. The University of Worcester student has revealed that students have been deaf sitting on the floors with around half of their lectures held in small rooms that are small classrooms, far too small. The forensic science and biological studies students, who wished not to be named, started at the university in September and said the issue has been persistent ever since. There are about 100 people fitting into one room designed for 70. Even if you get a seat, you are practically sitting on top of each other with barely enough room for a notebook, let alone a laptop. It definitely puts people off going. Each week, the student has around 16 contact hours, all of which are based at St John's campus. She explained that this issue only affects broader modules involving students from other courses, namely the chemistry and health and disease modules. This amounts to around half of their total contact hours. If you want a seat, you have to arrive really early, she added. I know I'm not alone. Many of my course mates agree that something needs to be done. The student added she had spoken with both her tutors and the students' union, both of whom had no luck resolving the issue. Since Worcester News contacted the university, it has now been confirmed the lectures have been moved to a lecture theatre that can hold 120 students. No further comment was provided. Last week, university staff set up picket lines in response to a dispute over wages, jobs and working conditions. UCU Worcester Branch Secretary Dr Dan Eastow said, I was elated to see such a strong turnout today. In the past, we've received what felt like very threatening and borderline bullying from management when it came to proposed strike action. We had at least one representation from every school at the university, which was brilliant, and we intend to continue next Wednesday at 7 campus. And this is the... um newspaper for Tuesday the 19th of no sorry the 29th of November and the headline is uh, trains are halted by the wartime bomb trains in Worcester were affected by the discovery of a wartime bomb at a scrapyard cancellations were reported between Bromsgrove and Stoke Works Junction due to the discovery of the device forcing police to introduce a 50 metre cordon a spokesman for the West Mercia Police said, We're in attendance at a scrapyard on Hanbury Road in Stoke Prior, Worcestershire, following the discovery of an unexploded ordnance. As a precaution, a 50-metre cordon is in place and the area has been evacuated while we wait for experts from explosive ordnance disposal. Police later said the incident had concluded safely. A spokesperson also said the cordon had been removed 
and the road had been reopened. Thanks for your patience. The train operator also alerted passengers they faced delays yesterday. A spokesperson said disruption is expected on the rail network as the line falls within the 50-metre cordon. Please check with your train operator before you travel and then please avoid the area and seek alternative routes. We'll issue further plans when we can. New Street to Hereford service is both directions were diverted via Kidderminster. Rail replacement transport was arranged to operate south of Bromsgrove. The issue was described on the West Midlands Railway Services website as major. Witnesses described a heavy police presence and a spokesperson said at the time of the incident train services running through these stations may be cancelled or revised. All stations between Hereford and Brondisbury Park will not be served by train. Disruption is expected to last until around 2pm today. And that was on the 29th of November. We expect some of our trains to be affected by this incident. To see how this might affect you, please use the live departures and arrivals or plan your journey using the National Rail Enquiry's real-time journey planner. Rail replacements coaches are accepting passengers between Hereford and Bromsgrove via Worcester Foregate Street and Worcester Shrub Hill in both directions until further notice. This article is from yesterday, Wednesday, November the 30th, and it says, Leap from path of HGV that hit the wall. An eyewitness has described the horrifying moment an out-of-control HGV narrowly missed a woman before crashing into a building. Abby Richards said the woman jumped out of the lorry's path before they both rushed to the driver's aid and discovered he was unconscious. The driver was taken to Worcestershire Royal Hospital following Monday night's crash, November the 28th, in Foregate Street, which brought the city centre to a standstill. Miss Richards called 999 and police, ambulance crews and firefighters were quickly at the scene near the junction with the Tithing and Castle Street. Miss Richards of Morven said it was not a nice thing to witness, but thankfully I was there to phone for help as quickly as I did. It was all happening so quickly, I didn't have time to think about what I needed to do next, I just did it. I'm so glad that the lorry driver is doing okay and I just hope that he has a speedy recovery. Miss Richards dropped her girlfriend off at work and was parked outside of Leaders, estate agents on Foregate Street, when she noticed cars driving around a stationary lorry on the road. All of a sudden the lorry started moving quite quickly into the bus lane and my initial thought was the lorry was pulling over due to a problem with the vehicle. As the lorry wasn't slowing down at all, it crashed straight into the building and lights and lampposts. While the lorry was hitting the lights and buildings, a lady was walking by a few feet in front of the lorry as it crashed and I saw her throw herself to the floor to get out of the way. Miss Richards said, I opened the lorry door to see a man in the driver's seat unconscious. The lady and I made sure he was breathing 
and another man jumped into the lorry to hold the man's head upright to clear his airway. He had noticed that the man was breathing very shallowly and was unconscious for about 10 minutes. A spokesperson for West Midlands Ambulance Service said two ambulances, a critical care car from the Midlands Air Ambulance base at Strensham and a paramedic officer attended. The driver of the HDV uh, man was assessed before being conveyed, conveyed to Worcestershire Royal Hospital for further precautionary checks. And today's headline... Fair deal, F-A-Y-R-E. Rough sleepers, tents removed before the Victorian Fair festivities start. That starts this evening, the 1st of December. A rough sleepers village has been cleared with a leading councillor saying the council's motivation will have been in part due to the Victorian Fair. Two tents were set up on a grass area on City Wars Road, Worcester, earlier this year. The location is near to a coach drop-off used by visitors to the popular festive four-day event, which starts today. There was one permanent rough sleeper who the Worcester News understands camped in Pump Street and Friar Street before setting up at the location. A Worcester City Council spokesman has told us the rough sleeper now has accommodation. Lynn Denham, Worcestershire County Council, Councillor for the Cathedral, said someone has been able to move into better, more permanent accommodation before it gets even colder, and that's good news. There has been one rough sleeper living there, and homeless people coming into the city would share the tents. It is in part due to the Victorian fair. It is not a good look for the visitors first arriving in the area. The village has been causing concern for a variety of reasons, I received complaints from residents and was in contact with the City Council Rough Sleepers team. A Worcester City Council spokesman said the rough sleeper who was staying at City Wars Road moved from that location several weeks ago and has now accepted an accommodation offer in the city. As a result, the tents were cleared away in the middle of November and are currently being kept in storage by the council. Jonathan Sutton, Chief Executive of St Paul's Hostel, said it was important people who came to the city were impressed, but it was equally important that the rough sleepers were off the streets as soon as possible. It is good news all round, Mr Sutton said. It shows the system is working. St Paul's Hostel has been working with people for over 45 years. It shows services for the homeless can build relationships and trust with homeless people. Efforts were previously made by the Worcester News to speak to the person or people living there. This was to see if they had been offered any help and support. In response, a man unzipped the tent and said, I don't want to know, before zipping the tent back up again. Um, Planning applications submitted. A number of planning applications have been submitted in Worcester this week. A plan to build a double garage extension at a home in Birch Meadow has been submitted by Levin Widmer. A new application by Paul Powis asks for permission to build a rear balcony at Four Seasons in Batten Hall Avenue. Another plan to convert a building of a bungalow in Beaver Close has been submitted by Mr and Mrs Holland. The plans can be reviewed and comments can be made by visiting Worcester City Council's website. This headline is Anger at Bus Ticket 
price rise in crisis. A bus company has been attacked for putting up fares during a cost-of-living crisis, but bosses say their customers are getting a better deal. One resident complained the price of a return from Droitwich to Worcester had risen to £8, which he said was a rise of 100%. Others threatened to travel by train because of the rising cost of their bus fares. However, leaders from First Worcester say the majority of fares have remained unchanged while some prices have been put up to keep pace with inflation. They have also drawn attention to a new modernised service for customers, the tap-on, tap-off service. Customers no longer need to ask for a ticket, just tap their contactless card stroke device when they board and tap again when they leave, which first say will work out the best value fare for you. Yet the rising cost of some fares led to some criticism over Twitter. One resident said, First Bus Worcester have raised their bus prices by 100% during a cost of living crisis. It is now £8 for a return from Droitwich to Worcester. They've raised their prices by a considerable amount during a cost of living crisis. A spokesperson for First Worcester said, along with the introduction of the new tap-on, tap-off system, which started a week last Sunday, it is already proving to be a popular way for our customers to pay for their bus journeys. We did revise some of our fares. The majority remain unchanged. Some did increase slightly in line with inflation and increased business costs. And we also introduced some new ticket options to facilitate people's changing travel patterns with new return tickets available on bus and day ticket bundles now available on the first bus app. The final list of candidates vying to be Labour's new parliamentary candidate for Worcester has been revealed. The short list of names who are looking to represent Worcester for Labour at the next general election includes Tom Collins, Nina Gill, Danny Adilpore, Ellie Groves and Mark Williams. Nina Gill served as a member of the European Parliament for the West Midlands in two stints between 1999 and 2009 and again between 2014 and 2020. The former Chief Executive of Housing Association Newlon and current Trustee of J.K. Rowling-founded children's charities Lumos had looked to stand for Labour at last May, May's contest to be West Midlands Mayor before later withdrawing and has previously shown an interest in standing to be Labour candidate in Edgebaston in Birmingham. Also making Labour's shortlist of candidates is Ellie Groves, who was born in Worcester and went to school in Callow End, and is currently Managing Director of the Institute for Economic and Monetary Policy at Banking and Economic Think Tank, the Official Monetary and Financial Institute Forum. Danny Adilapore is the current Deputy Leader and Cabinet Member for Sustainable Growth and New Homes at Lambeth Council in London and has served as a councillor since 2014. He was re-elected in May with 21% of the votes and was once a political advisor at Kidderminster School to Kidderminster School former Labour Deputy Leader and West Bromwich MP Tom Watson. 
Mark Williams, served as a South Southwark councillor in South London between 2011 and 2018 and in various stages was in charge of regeneration, planning, transport and new homes in different cabinet roles. He lives in London but grew up and attended school in Droitwich. Tom Collins has lived in Worcester for 17 years and works at Worcester Bosch. He serves as a councillor representing the city's Rainbow Hill Ward for Labour and he has done so between 2018 until May. The city has been represented by Conservative Robin Walker since 2010 after he defeated Mike Foster, who was the first and last Labour MP to be elected in Worcester, having held the seat for 13 years from 1997. Robin Walker won again in 2015 and 2017 to keep hold of the seat for the Conservatives, finishing in front of Labour's Joy Squires. And this is a story about um, someone being interviewed in a telephone kiosk. And the headline is Fancy an Interview in a Red Phone Box. A Worcestershire charity has come up with a novel way to recruit and interview for their home care services. Helen Simmons, care manager, explained that Crossroads Caring for Carers use their telephone kiosk as an information point to raise awareness of the work the charity does and to recruit more paid or volunteer care staff. These staff members will not only support people with care needs but also their family based carers to oh sorry family based carers to enjoy a well earned break. Successful candidate Katie Gowdy said, I believe I'm the first person in Worcestershire, probably the world, to have been interviewed in a telephone box. I must admit it was a unique and zany experience and I was thrilled to be offered a position working with Crossroads. It's certainly going to be fun working with them. If you would like to be interviewed in the telephone box or you would like to find out more about Crossroads Caring for Carers, please telephone 01905 729 293 or email care at crossroadsworcestershire.org.uk. You can also visit their website www.crossroadsworcestershire.org.uk dot org uk or follow them on facebook www.facebook.com slash crossroads worcestershire or pop in for a coffee and a chat in their office on weir lane this headline is police dog nabs dealer a drug dealer with 10 kilograms of cannabis risked his life running across a motorway only to suffer stitches after being bitten by a brave police dog. Bleda Tomage, 33, was pulled over in his black Audi A6 on the M5 near Junction 7, Worcester South, on Tuesday, November 22nd, but had no intention of waiting around to be detained. Before his dramatic arrest, he risked life and limb as he fled across six live motorway lanes on foot, only to be bitten by police dog Alvin, who also recently foiled a burglary at a pharmacy in St John's in Worcester in an equally dramatic style. Just two days later, the Albanian national, who can now potentially be deported, 
pleaded guilty to possession of cannabis with intent to supply and was jailed for 12 months at Kidderminster Magistrates Court. Officers from the Worcestershire Operations Patrol Unit, based in Bromsgrove, tried to pull over Tomash of Derbyshire on the slip road at around 2.40pm. DC Josh Hunt of South Worcestershire Proactive CID, based at Worcester Police Station, is one of the team responsible for cutting off the supply lines of County Lines dealers. Describing the incident, he said they caused the vehicle to stop on the slip road. A single male occupant exited the vehicle and ran across six live lanes of motorway into, into fields. He was eventually located by a dog unit and received bites to his les- left arm. He was detained. In total, officers recovered 10 kilograms of cannabis from the boot of the Audi. Officers confirmed the dealer received stitches after he was bitten by police dog Alvin, a Belgian Malinos. Don't know about that one, sorry about that. It is not the first time police dog Alvin has shown his mettle in the line of duty. In October, we reported how a suspected burglar was cornered on the floor at a city pharmacy during an alleged break-in, thanks to the large and powerful police dog. Police were called to the scene of a burglary at D.L. Ogle Pharmacy in St John's in Worcester. Dramatic photos shared by a city police inspector show the suspect on the ground, inside the pharmacy, and the big police dog and skilled handler were both instrumental in the arrest. D.I. Dave Knight warned dealers not to come to Worcester or come through Worcestershire. He added any would-be dealers looking to drive drugs through the country are advised not to take roads through South South Worcestershire because the South Worcestershire Proactive CID will work with the Operations Patrol Unit to stop you in your tracks and get you off to prison. My thanks to police dog Alvin who did a great job detaining this individual and there's a lovely picture of a a lovely dog with his tongue hanging out looking well pleased with himself. (laughs) Dozens of Commonwealth war heroes were honoured at a remembrance service built on a a promise kept for more than a half a century. A service of remembrance was held at Astwood Cemetery to remember the 154 servicemen who now lie there under the care of the Commonwealth War Graves Commission. The cemetery is home to 95 scattered burials from the First World War and a further 46 from World War II. The majority of these burials are of servicemen from the United Kingdom, but there are also three Poles and one Canadian and one Czechoslovakian. Also remembered on Sunday, November the 20th, were five German and three Italian servicemen who died for a cause their governments believed in. The Act of Remembrance was organised by the Worcester branch of the Royal British Legion and the local branch, the Worcestershire and Sherwood Foresters Regiment Association. The tradition began in 1962 when the mother of a young soldier called Carl First contacted the Royal British Legion to ask if they would lay flowers on her son's grave. Since then, the Royal British Legion has held a service of remembrance. Vice Lord Lieutenant and County President of the Worcestershire Royal British Legion, Brigadier Roger Brunt, CBEDL, 
spoke of the service with his closing words taken from the Anzac Memorial in Gallipoli. The whole earth is a sepulchre of heroes. Monuments may rise and tablets be set up to them in their own land, but there is an abiding memorial that no pen or chisel has traced. It is graven not on stone or brass, but on the living heart of humanity and the palm of Almighty God, he said. Take these men as your example. Like them, remember that prosperity can only be for the free and that freedom is the possession of those who have the courage to defend it. Also in attendance was Tom Wisniewski, founder of the Worcestershire Polish Association. He said, at a ceremony built on a promise kept for more than half a century was a chance to remember Polish, British and Allied soldiers, all those who fell in war, prisoners of war and their families, and emphasise a message of peace. Peace cannot be kept by force, it can only be achieved by understanding. After the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. One in four people had to wait more than two weeks to be seen by a doctor. After booking an appointment in Worcester, the latest figures show. NHS data shows that almost 18,000 appointments took place two weeks or more after they were made in Worcester in October. A total of 2,340 people had to wait up to four weeks at some surgeries in Worcester and more than 2,100 people had to wait more than four weeks for appointments. According to the figures, almost 60% of appointments in Worcester were made face-to-face, with 30% made over the phone. A total of 65,812 appointments were made last month, with 30,922 people being seen on the same day. The same figures show that 4,507 were seen the day after and 12,326 people were seen within two to seven of making an appointment. A total of 9,655 people were seen within eight days and two weeks of making an appointment, and a further 3,859 were seen within three weeks. The new experimental figures include, for the first time, data for every GP surgery in the country. Ministers have claimed the numbers have been made available to help patients make more informed choices, but some medical unions have criticised the government for naming and shaming surgeries when morale among hard-working staff was already at rock bottom. The figures also show the number of GP appointments being made in Worcester and the length of time people have had to wait. According to the NHS figures, a total of 20,560 people were seen by a GP on the same day they made the appointment and 2,000 people were seen within two to seven days of making an appointment. The same figures show that 2,345 people were seen within eight days and two weeks of making an appointment, and a further 1,335 were seen within three weeks. A total of 891 people were seen within four weeks of making an appointment, and a further 373 were not seen for more than four weeks after making an appointment. A total of 373 people had to wait 
more than 28 days for an appointment during October. And now some stories, um, some sports stories for you. So I'll begin with this. Uh, and this is about uh, Worcestershire, uh, Worcester football team. Manager Chris Corns has spoken of his frustration at postponed matches following a further delay to his first game in charge of Worcester City. Corns' first game was supposed to be away at Wolverhampton Casuals, but the weather put an end to that before last weekend's game at Clanes Lane with Litchfield City, and that was also postponed due to a waterlogged pitch. All being well, he should finally get to lead his new side when City make uh, the long trip up to Whitchurch, Allport, on Saturday. But the, the delay has allowed Corns the time to settle in and get to know his playing group, as well as put some more smiles on faces in the progress. It's been very frustrating not to have had a game, said Corns. We need to get points on the board and also see the players in a game situation with something on the line. Training is all good and well, but it really counts in the games. But training has been very good. The lads have been brilliant with me and my management team. The standard in training has been very high. You look around the changing room and there is quality in every department, which hasn't surprised me. There's a few, a few big characters in the group, which is always a plus, and they've been brilliant, buying into what we want and expect from them. The work ethic is very good. We are just trying to lift the group, put a smile on their faces and make training a place that they want to come to. Corns also ad admits it is hard to know what changes need to be made to the side having not played a game. The former Worcester Raiders and Beaudley Town boss brought three players with him, Dylan Hart, Jordan Stoddart and Connor Jaquays upon his arrival, but they have been the only additions. That's been the issue with not having a game. It's been hard to actually see what's needed and what's not, he added. But we are excited by the players we have brought in and they are all buzzing to get going. City remain in the bottom four of the Midland Football League Premier. And this is um, an article about the season ahead for cricket. The fixtures for the 2023 County Championship season have been revealed with Worcestershire CCC starting on the road in April. The pairs begin their Division 2, cam sorry, Division two campaign at the Incora County ground with a clash against Derbyshire on Thursday, April the 6th before going to Durham the following week, Thursday, April the 13th. The first home game comes up next as Gloucestershire come into town in round three, Thursday, April the 20th. Sussex and Leicestershire come to New Road in May before the T20 Vitality Blast kicks off with an away day in Northants, Steelbacks, Wednesday, May the 24th before back-to-back -back home matches with Yorkshire Vikings and Leicestershire Foxes. August sees the start of the Royal London Cup 50 over campaign and Worcestershire begin with a trip to Durham. The pairs conclude their 2032 campaign with a county championship clash away at Yorkshire. The new coaching team of head coach Alan Richardson and assistant Kadir 
alley will already be preparing for the season ahead, having been appointed at the start of November um, following the resignation of Alex Gidman. There is always a special buzz when the fixtures are announced and before then there is a lot of work to be done um, with them to implement this. But the squad will be able to take a lot of confidence from the way we finished in September, defeating the Division 2 champions, Nottinghamshire, and being on top of Glamorgan and Sussex before rain prevented us from taking advantage of the positions we were in. The aim will be to continue in that manner and take further steps forward in our red ball cricket after not being far outside of the top two last season. The players are also aware of the need to finish teams when on top and not allow opposition back into games, but that comes hopefully with experience and game management. There is plenty to be optimistic about and also a lot of hard work and preparation during the next four months. A glittering array of medals and awards greeted club members and guests at Worcester St John's Cycling Club presentation evening. More than 70 people gathered at Raven Meadow Golf Centre for the party, which provided the backdrop for medals, trophies and cups awarded for the successful time trial season and cyclo-cross events. The evening kicked off with a series of skills awards for the club's younger members. The Paul Sobchak Young Rider of the Year Award was presented to Austin Holdstock. The Dave Jennings Junior Cyclocross Trophy went to Tasman Dingle and the Dave Jennings Cyclocross Trophy went to Kerry Guest with 903 points for the 2021 cyclo Cyclocross season. More than 60 cyclists participated in the club time trials this season, with more than 20 non- or second-claim members. Times have to be beaten three times within the season in order to win achievable medals. Bronze medals in the 40-plus age group went to Andy Bayliss and Kerry Guest. Bronze in the 50-plus age group went to Chris Giles, Henry Harbord and Julian Church and Peter Fryers. Bronze in the 60-plus age group went to John Holden. Silver medals in the similar category went to Adam Pollock and in the 50-plus age group to Chris Hall, Dave Pullen, John Newey and Neil Williamson. Debbie Hodson and Nigel Jinks walked away with silver in the 60-plus age group. Gold medals went to Paul Guest and Richard Orcock. And that's our sport. Now, this is a, um, a lady who writes in the paper regularly, and uh, she's called Sally, and she's got a column, Sally's Savers, which I thought you might find very helpful. Grocery shopping is only the half of it. We then face the cost of having to cook it. Running an electric cooker costs more than the gas equivalent and dual fuel cookers cost something in between. The most effective way of reducing the cost of cooking is to plan meals in advance, which also keeps food waste to a minimum. Bulk buying as staple, staple foods, batch cooking casseroles, bolognaises and curries and planning meals with using leftovers in mind does save money.
However, buying in bulk needs some consideration. Freezer space and labelling are a must, and storing potatoes and root veggies in a paper or net bag in a cool but not cold place, such as a shed or pantry, keeps everything fresher for longer. The most expensive foods are often convenience foods. Cooking ready meals in a conventional oven makes them even more costly. Choosing microwavable versions or batch cooking from scratch undoubtedly works out cheaper. Other quick wins in the kitchen are use lids on saucepans, use the right size hot plate for the pan, fill the oven, use a tiered steamer, when boiling use only enough water to cover the food, pre-soak rice to cut cooking time, swap rice and potatoes for noodles or couscous, don't overfill the kettle, simmer, don't boil, defrost food overnight, plan for at least one raw meal per day, which might be as simple as cereal, salad or a sandwich. It's a fact that electricity costs more than gas, which means that using a slow cooker may be cheaper than using a conventional electric oven but may actually be more expensive than using a gas cooker. Finally, when buying new appliances, check energy efficiency labels. These have changed. G-rated appliances are now the most energy efficient, equivalent to the old A++++. <laughs> a park and ride service is going to be made available to those looking to attend this year's Victorian Christmas Fair. The event is returning to Worcester this weekend, celebrating its 30-year anniversary, and a park-and-ride service is being introduced once again from County Hall. Worcestershire County Council will be providing parking space in one of the car parks at County Hall, along with staff to help visitors in support of this service, number 1910, operated commercially by First Worcester Bus. Councillor Mike Rouse, Cabinet Member for Highways and Transport, said the Victorian Christmas Fair is always a special time for the City of Worcester and our county as a whole, bringing in a lot of people from further afield. For many, the event marks the start of their Christmas celebrations. We're really pleased that First Bus have agreed to run the Park and Ride scheme with us again this year, giving people options and flexibility on how they travel. It proves popular and is a great way to ensure you can enjoy what the fair has to offer whilst keeping the city centre moving. The details for the park and ride service are Saturday, December 3rd, first bus from County Hall leaves at 8.35am, then 8.50am, 9.05am, 9.20am and then every 10 minutes. Last bus back from Crowngate bus station is 8.10pm or from Cathedral Square at 8.15pm. Sunday, December 4th, first bus from County Hall leaves at 9.45am, then every 15 minutes. Last bus back from Crowngate bus station is 5.10pm, or from Cathedral Square at 5.15pm. Prices for the park and ride service are adult return £3, young person return £2, Group Weekender Ticket for use of up to any five people, £8. Children under five are free. City Walls Road towards St Martin's Gate will be reduced to one lane to accommodate coaches dropping off visitors. A number of other roads will also have closures in place during the event. These include High Street, Friar Street, Queen Street, Pump Street, 
Copenhagen Street, St Nicholas Street, New Street, Broad Street, Angel Place, The Shambles and The Corn Market. This is the magic moment a man with motor neurone disease had the privilege to turn on his town's Christmas nights. John Adams was diagnosed with motor neurone disease five and a half years ago and was told at the time that he had a life expectancy of just 18 months. This weekend he was the guest of honour as Christmas arrived in Droitwich and invited to switch on the town's festive lights on Saturday, November 26. It was such a privilege to be asked to turn on the Christmas nights in my local town, he said. I had a wonderful time and I'm certainly feeling very much in the Christmas spirit. Last Christmas, Mr Adams raised thousands of pounds for vital research. With the government having committed an MND research campaign from its budget, Mr Adams decided to make and sell Christmas gift tags. In the first three weeks after launching his fundraiser, Mr Adams raised £4,000, smashing his initial £300 goal. His daughter Helen Millwood said at the time he realises a cure for motor neurone disease will never be found in his lifetime, but his mission is to raise as much money as he can for research to ensure no families go through the hurt that we have. A Romanian restaurant has found a new home in the historic city centre restaurant and is set to open its doors this week. La Terrassa Rustic Grill is a traditional Romanian restaurant that is opening on Friar Street on Thursday, December the 1st, that's today, in time for the Victorian Fair. The restaurant is taking over the building, which used to be the home of a meeting place cafe. The owners were forced to close earlier this year due to rising costs. La Terrassa or Teresa, was formerly based on Waterworks Road and was opened in Dumlit Stefan with the hope of bringing Romanian food and culture to the city. However, the eatery closed down shortly afterwards as the owner did not feel the location was appropriate. Mr Stefan said, This location is exactly what I have been searching for. I wanted something rustic to fit in with our theme. I want to bring Romanian food cooked traditionally with all fresh meat and vegetables to the city centre. It is such an exciting time, but also very tiring. We just cannot wait to open on Thursday. The majority of the food is cooked on a grill and other food that cannot be grilled, such as soup, is cooked over a fire. The restaurant is already looking um, fully booked for opening day and Mr Stefan has said he has received positive feedback from lots of residents about the food already. He said, we have already had a lot of people from English and South Asian backgrounds come to the old location and were very complimentary about the food. We have a a loyal Romanian customer base also, which is amazing to see. We want to offer a good experience and I am in the process of making everything perfect for the open day. La Terrassa is a family business and Mr Stefan previously told the Worcester News he collects ideas from different members of the family to make the restaurant what it is. He said bookings can be made online and a new website is also on the horizon. He said, we have a new website coming soon where you can book a table. 
we will also soon be available on all, on all major delivery apps as well. People were left feeling concerned after spotting a dead swan by the river. Amid another outbreak of avian flu, people feared the bird may have been infected. An upset pedestrian discovered the dead swan on the east bank of the river path near heart of Worcestershire College. After the recent spate of heavy rain, the River Severn burst its banks at South Parade in Worcester towards the end of last week. It meant swans had more space to wander around the footpath while it was covered with water. Marilyn McCarthy from the Swan Food Project said the death of the swan is likely to be natural and is urging people not to panic. She said when there is a flood, swans in Worcester have more space and start swimming at Pitchcroft. They have more space to move around and find food for themselves. We can't stop swans from dying, dying in the winter. The swan was on the bank, but I don't think it was linked to the overflowing river. You can't stop birds from dying, but it can be difficult for people. Finding wildlife that has been killed can be upsetting. The volunteers who work with us have to be very resilient. But these are wildlife. You can't protect them the same way you can protect pets. With wild creatures, they have to look after themselves. A lot of rescue centres are not taking in birds because of avian flu, just in case. The other birds currently in care may catch it. The volunteers can't do anything if a bird is injured. The bird will need more care than just on the riverside. We are from Worcester and we are lucky to have such beautiful creatures living near us. But we also see the other side of it. And now and again there are these accidents just like there are for humans. The Swan Food Project will be holding its big Christmas swan feed this year on South Quay in Worcester over three days. Starting Boxing Day, people will be given a sack of pellets on each of the three days to feed the birds in the Swan Sanctuary. It will also take place on Thursday, December the 29th and Sunday, January the 1st. An estate agency has celebrated giving away £10,000 to a local hospice. Nickel and Co has donated the money to St Richard's Hospice in Worcester along with other contrib contributors to local charities, schools and groups from its community fund. Nickel and Co, which has three branches in Droitwich, Malvern and Worcester, launched the scheme in March 2021 by pledging £100 to each seller's good cause of choice for every property seller that it handles. Matt Nicol, Managing Director of Nickel & Co, said by making its 100th donation of £100 to St Richard's Hospice, it meant total donations had now reached £10,000. Mr Nicol said, we're absolutely delighted to be responding to the 100th nom nomination for St Richard's Hospice by sending them £100 on behalf of our customers, Robert and Susan from Malvern. It's obvious that the work of St Richard's Hospice is very highly regarded by the homeowners of Worcestershire and the charity has benefited from 30% of all the nominations we have ever received. This also means we are closing in on another community fund milestone with an overall total of 35,000 in our sites by the end of the year, which will be quite spe special. Everyone here at Nickel & Co appreciates being able to support so many wonderful community organisations, volunteers and good causes across the county. 
and we're particularly pleased that so many of our clients have chosen St Richard's to benefit from the community fund. Our scheme is a small drop in the ocean for what the organisation needs to raise each year, but it's pleasing to play our part. The donation comes a year after Nickel & Co made its first community fund donation to the hospice, which was launched in 1984 and is based at Wildwood Drive. Rhea Simmons, corporate fundraiser at St Richard's, said, This is absolutely amazing and we're so grateful for this incredible support from Nickel & Co. We want to send a massive congratulations to everyone at the company for organising such an incredibly successful community fundraising campaign. Not just for our patients and their loved ones, but for so many other worthy local causes too. Some vendors allow Nickel & Co to choose which local group the £100 should be donated to. Any group that would like to be considered should email community at nickelandco.co.uk. A Droitwich woman is honouring her mum who died of cancer by cutting her hair and fundraising for charity. Emily Henderson of St Andrew's Road, Droitwich, has undertaken to challenge the challenge in remembrance of her mum, Alison Henderson. Mrs Henderson died in 2011, aged 51, while being cared for at St Richard's Hospice, which Emily is fundraising for. Emily said that St Richard's Hospice helped her and her family a lot whilst dealing with the loss of her mother. She said at the time I was only 13 years old and St Richard's provided so much help and support to my family. In July of 2011, my mum was moved to St Richard's Hospice inpatient unit where all the family were able to visit and she passed away peacefully in the hospice a week later, aged 51. After Mum died, St Richard's continued to invite me to support groups where I could meet other children who had lost an important member of their family and talk more about grief. I will always be grateful for the time and effort that went into my Mum's care and the importance of those days we had to share with her. Miss Henderson had 11 inches of hair cut off with the hair going to little lady locks which helps make wigs for children with cancer and other hair loss conditions like alopecia. Originally Miss Henderson wanted to raise just £200 but she is now setting the goal quadrupling her donations. She said, I have quadrupled my original target with the help from all my wonderful family and friends. I am now on the final push to reach £1,000 and I can't wait to receive this. St Richard's Hospice is an organisation that's very close to my heart. Currently, Miss Henderson's... Miss Hen, sorry, Miss Henderson has raised grand total of £985 for St Richard's Hospice using the crowdfunding platform GoFundMe. Anyone wishing to donate to the fundraiser can visit the GoFundMe link at gofundme slash 495E556. St Richard's Hospice cares for adults with serious progressive illnesses, improving their quality of life from their diagnosis during treatment and to their last days. An apprentice from Worcester-based social housing and care provider Sanctuary is celebrating 
after picking up a second top apprenticeship award. Customer service apprentice Emily Tidmarsh was named Intermediate Apprentice of the Year at the 2022 Worcestershire Apprenticeship Awards. The awards, which celebrate the value of apprenticeships and their role in preparing people for successful careers with local businesses, were announced during a ceremony at West Midlands Safari Park. Emily was recognised for her dedication and commitment to her role within Sanctuary's care billing team, as well as her efforts to promote and champion apprenticeships to others. The award comes hot on the heels of a previous success when Emily was named Intermediate Apprentice of the Year at the West Midlands Regional Finals of the National Apprenticeship Awards. Emily said, I'm over the moon to have won. It was an honour just to be nominated and I had never expected to win one award, let alone two. I'm really proud of how far I've come in my apprenticeship at Sanctuary and want to thank everyone who has supported me on my journey. Choosing an apprenticeship really was the best decision I ever made. I'd recommend it to anyone. Sanctuary also had two other finalists at the Worcestershire Apprentice Awards, with senior L&D partner Nikki Clay shortlisted in the Apprenticeship Championship of the Year category and Information Security Officer Josh Rea shortlisted for Advanced Level Apprenticeship of the Year. Sanctuary's National Apprenticeship Programme was established in 2008 and has since supported more than 2,000 people into work, both directly and indirectly, through development par partners. Apprenticeships work in a variety of business areas, including finance, IT, housing, business and administration and health and social care. Pudsey Bear joined Worcester Ukulele Club as they raised more than £2,000 by completing a six-hour Yuki-a-thon. <laughs> Gathered in the city's Crowngate Shopping Centre, a team of 54 strummers provided fun and laughter to passers-by, many of whom joined in with the singing and dancing. Club Secretary Trevor Taylor said it has always been a pleasure and a privilege to play for Pudsey over the past few years. Friday was no exception. It was also humbling to witness the kindness of the great people of Worcester who gave so generously to such a good cause. It is not the first time the club has raised money for children in need. In fact, Friday's fundraiser was the seventh year Worcester ukulele players have plucked their strings for the cause. Joining them for the occasion was the Mayor of Worcester, Councillor Adrian Gregson. Mr Taylor said, we were proud to be joined by the Mayor for a few of our numbers, especially when he counted in for one of our, came and sang in for one of our songs. A great effort from everyone involved. After six hours of playing, the musicians raised just over £2,200. A spokesperson for Worcester Ukulele Club added, we would like to thank the shoppers for their incredible generosity, the Mayor of Worcester for his support, the strummers who played in the marathon session, and also Phase Aid for allowing Pudsey Bear to use their changing room. Children in Need Appeal show took place on Friday night, where it was announced a total of £35,273,167 has been raised for good causes. The appeal showed two 2022's highlights included Lewis Capaldi performing his number one single, Forget Me, and special versions of The Weakest Link, 
repair shop and blankety blank. Money raised through the event helps to fund grassroots organisations and project workers in every corner of the UK who provide vital relationships and support to help the children who need it the most. Last year the money helped nearly 460,000 children and young people. A Chinese restaurant in Worcester is closing its doors full-time after struggling due to the cost-of-living crisis. China Leng Foods, based at the Virgin Tavern, Toledine Road, has confirmed that the restaurant is set to close. A statement posted on Instagram said the business will pack it in full-time this week, but the business will still be covering pop-up events. It said time really does go fast. It's our last week of service until we wrap it up um, full time. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday hours are 5.30 to 9pm. We are expected to be super busy, therefore, with pre-orders and are advised to just eat by, this te- by texting Tar Chief, see you this week. In September, the business posted on Instagram the importance of supporting local businesses and how rising costs are a ticking time bomb. A spokesman for the business said, We have a small favour to ask, and that is to shop local, shop independent and shop small businesses. Rising costs have created a ticking time bomb for small businesses and we are struggling to absorb the impact of the spiralling prices. It's heartbreaking to see our favourite shops and restaurants closing up because of this. For two years we have worked so hard to get where we are now and seeing a future of progression is very uncertain. We don't have start-up loans, funding from the government or inheritance. This was all built from the love of food and long hard hours. On a Facebook post from two days ago, a member of the public asked the business if it was indeed closing and the business said that it could still be covering events. The comment said, We will shut down full-time and do events and pop-ups part-time. Our whereabouts will be posted on our social media. Three city centre businesses have also been hit by the cost of living and other factors recently forcing them to close in November. Guilt Trips City Centre location closed its doors as well as the Meeting Place Cafe and the Be The Change earlier this year. It was recently confirmed, however, that Be The Change has new ownership now and is reopening in the future. Volunteers from a dog rescue in Worcestershire have said they are desperate for dog food. The team from High Hope Dog Rescue, who finds dogs foster homes across the county, said they are quickly running out of dog food. On Facebook, volunteers pleaded for help in their emergency food appeal and said, Help! Our food is almost gone. Darcy Pierce said, We have just had a lot of dogs at the moment because of the cost of living crisis. People just cannot afford their dogs. A lot of people are working more hours and can't look after their dogs during the day. We are still trying to help and take in as many dogs as we can. A lot of our dogs come from abroad and some are in a horrendous state. We need food donations because we don't make any money. And we are just desperate for dog food at the moment. 
The 27-year-old, who has fostered around 300 dogs over the past three years, said, We still have to buy food, but that means payment for other things, like the vets, travel and kennels, become delayed. We rely hugely on donations, and we try to ask for things rather than money. People can choose what they buy the dog, and it makes it more personal. It is a difficult time at the moment, especially with Christmas coming up. I think this year more dogs will be returned to the shelter this Christmas. Brands sometimes also donate food, but when that runs out, other rescue shelters donate food. We all have the same mission after all. Since posting an appeal on Facebook on Wednesday, Miss Pierce said the rescue received a bag of food the following day. She said this morning a couple of bags of food arrived, but that has just evaporated with 40 mouths to feed. Hopefully there are a lot of donations and the fundraiser might help. Everybody needs money during this time of year. It is stressful and we need to make sure the dogs get the food, especially if they've come from trauma and having a meal in a safe place is all they have really. The River Severn's levels are expected to rain, remain high over the next few days. The River Severn has already burst its banks at South Parade in Worcester and pictures show the footpath covered in water and swans. It is expected that the river will peak at Diglis, reaching 3 metres to 3.5 metres overnight on Sunday into Monday, that is the coming Sunday and Monday. The river is predicted to peak at Kemsey Yacht Club 4.9 metres to 5.4 on Tuesday morning. Across Worcestershire, the Environment Agency is expecting river levels to remain high over the next few days. Drivers are being urged to avoid routes with low-lying roads near rivers as well as to take care driving over flooded fords. Locations that may be affected include Starport, Holtfleet, Worcester, Kemsey, Sevenstoke, Upton-upon-Seven, South Quay, Diglis Parade and the Hilton Road towpath. According to the Met Office, Worcester is expected to stay relatively dry over the next few days with some heavy rain spells. That doesn't make sense, does it really? <laughs> anyway, there we are. <laughs> uh, today is expected to have a cool, bright start with any mist and fog clearing quickly through the morning, according to Met Office. Wind and cloud is likely to increase ahead of heavy rain moving in. Father Christmas will be visiting the streets of Worcester once again this year in the run-up to Christmas. Thanks to the Worcester Lions, Santa and his sleigh will be touring the city on eight nights this December. The Lions, a volunteer group, said they have tried to cover as much of Worcester as possible and will provide more details of each night's route closer to the time. Worcester Lions understand that many will be disappointed that Santa will not be doing all his usual routes, the group said. We hope to cover more routes again this year. According to the Lions, Santa will be kicking off his visits to Worcester in the Newtown Road area on December the 1st and will be in Warnden in the Hastings Drive area on December the 4th. On December the 5th, he will be in Merriman's Hill and on December the 8th, he'll tour the St Peter's area. The map released by the Lions suggests that Santa Claus will be in the Martley Road area on December the 13th and in Lower Wick on December the 15th. He will be in Spetchley Road and Nunnery Wood 
on December the 16th and in the Northwick and Corn Meadow area on December the 19th. Bosses from Aldi have revealed when the highly anticipated store will open in Malvern. Planning for the new store started earlier this year and residents have been looking forward to having an Aldi in their town. The new store is set to open at 8am on Thursday, December the 15th and shoppers will even get a chance to watch Paralympic GB silver medalist Rebecca Redfern cut the ribbon on the day. Paraswimming star Rebecca added, I'm so excited to be opening Aldi's new store. It will be great to chat with customers and a lovely way for me to thank Aldi for its support of Paralympics GB. Not only that, but the first 30 shoppers will be able to get their hands on complimentary bags of fresh fruit and vegetables. The new store on Grovewood Road in Malvern has been a much-awaited addition to the area and has hired 30 new colleagues from Worcestershire to work in the store. Aldi's store manager, Benjamin, said, We can't wait to open the doors to the new store in Malvern. It's set to be a special day, and having Paralympic hero Rebecca Redfern join us will make it a morning to remember. Plans for the new store were approved earlier this year, with councillors agreeing it would boost the local economy and create jobs in and around the town. And at the time, more than 200 supportive comments were submitted to the council by the public welcoming the plans. Especially as residents have said the new store means they will no longer have to look to Ebury or Worcester for their grocery shopping. The proposed opening hours are 8am to 10pm between Monday and Saturday and 10am to 5pm on Sunday. The new store is set to boost the regional economy and is still looking for up to eight new store assistants for the Morven store. Although the new store is located next to Morven Retail Park, it means there will be two supermarkets in close proximity with Morrison's just on the other side of Roman Way. Cat and dog owners could significantly reduce the environmental impact of their pet's diet by feeding them dry food instead of wet food, new research suggests. According to the study, swapping our food out food with a higher water content for kibble or biscuits could see pet owners feed their furry friends more sustainably while still providing them with enough nutrition. The researchers at the University of Sao Paulo looked at the environmental impacts of 618 diets for dogs and 320 diets for cats in Brazil. The study found that wet diets for cats and dogs had the greatest environmental impact compared to dry diets. That's worth thinking about. And then a little note here. Tudor House um, has a quiet time. A quiet morning is to take place at Tudor House Museum in Friar Street, Worcester, on Friday, December the 9th. The free morning takes place between 10am and 11am and allows people to visit the museum without film, music or sound effects playing through the museum. However, stewards will still be available for anyone who needs assistance. 
A spokesperson for the museum said, We hope to provide a safe environment for visitors who might experience sensory overload, in particular people with autism. We very much welcome any questions that you might have about this. A soap legend will be appearing at Worcester Gambling Club this weekend. EastEnders icon Jake Wood will be at Shipley's in Broad Street this Saturday, December the 3rd. Jake, who memorably appeared in the soap as Max Browning, is helping to launch the venue's new bingo offering. The gambling shop has moved to the former Bright House building from its former location at the Scala Theatre in Worcester City Centre. People will be able to meet Jake, who is set to arrive at 12 noon and will see the 50-year-old call the bingo games. There will be refreshments. There's also going to be a car boot sale. An indoor car car boot sale is due to take place at the Lippard Hub, Anchorage Green, Warnden Villages, on Worcester, on the sorry, on the third, the third of December. The indoor sales are held on the first Saturday of the month. Stall holders can set up from 9 a.m. and the sale opens to shoppers between 10 a.m. and 12 noon. Tables are sold out for this coming indoor sale. Ordinarily, tables cannot be reserved without payment. When available, tables are £8 to hire, um, with bacon rolls, tea and coffee, which are also available from 9.30am. Escape a busy December and spend a wonderful hour on Sunday, December the 11th, listening to a special con- con- combined talk and concert at the Furs, Elgar's birthplace at Lower Broadheath near Worcester. The concert will feature a full performance of Elgar's remarkable piano quintet, the brooding, mysterious outpouring of his inner thoughts, one of the last great works he ever completed. Performing will be the exciting Lumos Quartet, a newly formed quartet of young musicians who are really going places in the world of classical music. They will be joined for the performance by pianist Swam Swam Lee. The performance will also feature a talk by Richard Westwood Brooks, author of Elgar and the Press, A Life in Newsprints and Chats about Elgar, who will provide a background to the history of the work, how it came to be formed in Elgar's mind and just how he was feeling when he came to write it as well as dispelling a number of fondly held myths about it at the same time. There will be a £1 booking fee for National Trust members to reserve a place, and for non-members it's also a pound to reserve a place plus normal National Trust entrance charges payable on entrance. The cottage and visitor centre will be open 11am until 5pm, so you can enjoy a great day out, including the concert. The talk and concert will take place in the Caris Room at the Furs Visitor Centre and because members are restricted to a total of 66 places, you will be advised to get your booking in as quickly as possible as tickets are selling fast. There will be two performances. The first will be at 11.30am and the second at 2pm. Booking can be made either via the website nationaltrust.org.au 
uk forward slash the furs or via the National Trust box office number 0344-249-1895. Right, those are the end of the stories for tonight. And now the thought for the day. Um, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The Virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. I know the obituaries for this week. Linda, or Lynn, as she was called, Barnacle, passed away at the Boynes Care Home, aged 78, on Sunday 20th of November. Family flowers only, but donations in memory of Lynn to Worcestershire Animal Rescue Shelter may be left at the collection plate at the church, which is the Vale Crematorium, Fladbury, and the funeral is at 3pm. Contact may be made to E.J. Gummery and Son, Funeral Directors, 68-70, to 70, Ombersley Road, Worcester. Do we know when the first one in January is? No. Barbara Bryan, formerly Webb, passed away peacefully with her daughter Suzanne at her side on the 19th of November, aged 93 years. Her funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 6th of December at 2.30pm. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for St Richard's Hospice may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, Omersey Road, Worcester, WR37EU. Eileen Johns, knee Donovan, has passed away on Monday the 21st of November. Her funeral is to be held on Wednesday the 7th of December at 1.45 at Worcester Crematorium. Family and friends are welcome afterwards at the Prince of Wales in Windermere Drive. Family flowers only and donations to British Heart Foundation. There isn't a mention of a funeral director there. Nick Jones passed away after a long period of illness on November the 6th, aged 66 years. Uh, they will hold a celebration event to mark his passing and if you would like to attend, please would you contact, it says me, so I'm not quite sure who this is, but the telephone number is 07450993084 and details will be then followed Followed. Details, sorry, will then follow and they will be forwarded to you. David Powell of Rochford, Tenbury Wells, passed away peacefully on the 2nd of November, aged 86 years. The funeral service will be held at Rochford Church on Friday, December the 2nd at 12 noon, followed by a cremation at Wire Forest Crematorium on Monday, December the 5th at 11.30am. You are most welcome to come to either or both of these services. Family flowers only, but donations if desired to the Worcestershire Farming Community Network and the Midlands Air Ambulance. Any inquiries to A.H. Coldicott and Sons, Funeral Directors, 15 Market Street, Tembury Wells, WR158BH. John Lynch of Pershaw. A lay preacher at St Andrew's Church in Evesham died suddenly on the 14th of November, aged 85 years. 
Service of thanksgiving at All Saints Church Evesham on Wednesday the 7th of December at 1pm. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for Parkinson's UK or Scleroderma and Raynaud's UK, care of Merstow Green Funeral Home in Evesham. Evelyn Pretty of Grafton Flyford passed away on November the 18th, aged 95 years. A funeral service will take place at the Church of St John the Baptist, Grafton, Grafton Flyford, on Monday, December the 5th at 2pm. Family flowers only, but donations in Evelyn's memory are invited for the Church of St John the Baptist, Grafton Flyford, and they may be sent to E. Hill and Son, Funeral Directors, Pershaw, WR10 1HZ. Henry Maudling passed away peacefully on the 23rd of November, aged 86 years. His service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the 5th of December. Unfortunately, there isn't a time, but um, uh, perhaps if you do know of this family, then you may be able to contact them, because there isn't also a funeral director mentioned. Um, family flowers only, but donations if desired to St Richard's Hospice and prostate cancer may be left in the donation box. Robert Peachy, uh, dearly loved brother of Barbara, he died on the 16th of, the, of November uh, last week, passed peacefully away and now... Oh, 16th of November... Yes, right, sorry, sorry. He passed peacefully away and now rests with his Lord and he was um, a supporter of many charities. He'll be missed by all who knew him. His funeral is to be held at Worcester Crematorium on the 13th of December at 3.15pm. No flowers by request, but donations if wished to the Mags Day Centre. Black attire optional and any inquiries to Hollands of Malvern. The um, obituaries for this week. Uh, our music follows, but we do send our sincerest condolences to all the people, uh, all the families of those people concerned and anyone else who knew, knew them and uh, our thoughts are with you. Good night from everyone here.